open your eyes. There's something more. It's the fuel behind every success story. It's the first few letters on a page. It is key to progress. Revealed by the Spirit. And without it, His people perish. What's your vision? Your city? Your nation? Technology? Culture? Or the arts? Vision for your life. All right, good morning. Good to see you. Uh, Tammy, the wind moves you because you weigh like 90 pounds. The wind never moves me. Can anybody relate? You know what I'm talking about? You know, sometimes uh, the Holy Spirit will direct you in a way and speak to you in a way that you just say, I just, this is pressing. And I want to preface it by saying, God just gave me this, not at the first service, but just in this service. So I know it's for someone in this service. Um, I got the I got the number twenty years in my head, so I keep it in mind when you hear this. And here's what God said: Today there is healing in our midst. The God of heaven and earth proclaim that you are well today. It is by the stripes of Jesus that Jesus endured that you are healed. It's in my name above every name, the name of Jesus. Every sickness will now take a knee to the authority of heaven and earth. God waits for you to receive this good word. If that's a word for you and 20 years makes any sense to you, then just receive it. Um, In his presence, there is everything. You see, someone said, uh, what spiritual gift did Jesus have? He didn't have one. He had them all. When he's in you... When the situation demands something, then you access Jesus. So if a situation demands mercy, you are merciful. You may not have that spiritual gift, but because if you walk in the fullness of the Spirit of God, then God manifests himself in you and through you in that way. And when the moment comes that God, um, I don't have the gift of, of a word of knowledge, but when the situation demands that God will give that, even though my gifts are different than that, in order to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. So I just want you to know, if that word, if you said that word is for me and I relate to that, then if you would just say, I receive that right now and walk in that. Amen? Whenever the presence of God increases in a place or in your life, Things happen without you making them happen. People come to faith in Christ when the presence gets high. People change and build relationships when the presence of God is high. And so it is up to us to make sure that we position ourselves in such a way that when the Spirit of God comes, that we are ready to receive what He has. Distractions will kill what God wants to do. 
People say to me all the time, well, doesn't the Word of God, won't it always accomplish what it intended? It will, but not for everyone whom he attended it. In both Mark and in Luke, Jesus, when talking to the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees, he said, you have made null the Word of God by your traditions. In other words, you have stopped the Word of God because you don't think God works like that. You see, what God does is God chooses to work in partnership with us. God could just take care of everything and do all of it by himself, but he chose to take his image bearers, you and I, and to partner with us that when we cooperate with him, then he is glorified in an even greater way because we bear the image of God. And the reason that you endure so much struggle in life is because you bear the image of God, and the enemy, every time he sees you, he is reminded of God, whom he hates. It's not about you. you. Say, well, the devil doesn't like me. It's not you at all. Don't get a big hit. He doesn't like the God in you. He doesn't like the message that you have in you. And if he can do anything to stifle it, if he can do it by traditions and say, well, I don't believe God heals or God doesn't work like that, then he's just made null the word of God in your life. What we want to do is we want to make sure that we're always just receiving from God and letting God work. You know, it's really interesting when you study the, the lives of the men and women of the word of God, you realize that almost none of them would ever be invited to speak in a church in our day because they, they, they just goofed up so many times that no one would ever want them. They're looking for the perfect person. I don't know if you've looked around lately, but I haven't found any. Amen? I mean, think, let, well, let's go ahead and add King David to come preach. Yeah, he committed adultery and then killed the guys, uh, her, his, uh, the woman he had adultery with, killed the husband, had him killed. You want him? No. Nah, anybody safer? How about Peter? He denied he knew the Lord. Hmm. Who else you got? And you start thinking about it, you see, because it's not about you, it's about who's in you. And when he who's in you is released in his fullness, then everything changes. It's a total game changer. That's what God put us on earth to change the game. The game on earth was Satan wins and, and, and everybody else loses. God says, no, I'm going to go ahead and send some representatives down there, and they're going to come in the power of the Spirit of God in such a way that the enemy is going to be crushed underfoot. You see, the Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one. How does he do that? Through you? That's what your job is. Your job is to crush demons. See, your job is not to come and sit in church and go, that was good music and got a couple of good tips this week. That ain't your job. You were, you were, Jesus died on the cross to make you a warrior for the kingdom. That's why he died. Not to have good little Christians. We got too many of those. He's a good little Christian. You know what that means? Nothing. Get a warrior spirit in you that comes from Jesus. Walk in the fullness and the power of God and see what God can do. That's what he wants to do, amen? How do you find direction in your life? You know, there are two things that I get asked over and over again all the years of ministry, 
and no one ever gets satisfied enough, that is, to ever go, oh, I get it. One of them is, how do I find direction in my life? And the other one is, how do I get more faith? So I'm going to talk about the first one today. How do I get direction in my life? And it may not be what you assume. A lot of people as Christians, we think we're just going to kind of walk down the street. God's going to give us like a, like a, a Holy Spirit zap, and we're going to go, oh, I get it now. I'm supposed to be fill in the blank, right? It may surprise you that the way you find the direction of God in your life is by intimacy with God. When you know his ways, you can walk in them. And the only way you know his ways is to know him deeper and deeper. It's counterintuitive to our let's do something, learn something culture. Because what we want to do is we want instant fix. But instant fix doesn't come in the kingdom. It comes through intimacy with God. You know, I want to tell you a story here because Israel found found themselves in Egypt. Egypt was the place of bondage. And they were slaves there to the Pharaoh who was like a picture of Satan. And they didn't know what to do and where to go. And finally, God sends a deliverer, Moses. And it was God's design that all of Israel have an intimate relationship with the Father. That was God's design. But they didn't want that. In fact, they fell back in fear, and they said, Moses, we're a little bit afraid of that guy, God. And so you go talk to him, and you come tell us what he said. Now, the equivalent of that in our day-to-day is, have you ever been afraid to pray like, God, whatever you want in my life, Anybody ever had this one? God, whatever you want in my life, I give you permission to do it. Anybody ever been afraid to pray that prayer? Just raise your hand. I'm going to be the first one to say, me. Okay, let's try it one more time. Anybody ever been afraid to pray that prayer? Just be honest for one moment. Right? Okay. Because you assume that if you do that, God will take you up on the deal. And you know that God's got some bad stuff in store for somebody, and you don't want it to be you. Am I right? Did you ever stop to think that God is sovereign, all-powerful, and if he wants to put you in a tough situation, he can do it without your permission? You think God's waiting, I just wish somebody would give me permission to be God? That's how we live. But you see, when we say that, we're saying, God, I may not know what's best for me, so what I want to do is I want to enter into intimacy with you in such a way that I fully trust you. I fully trust you. Because if you don't do that, then the opposite of that is I don't fully trust you and I don't get all your benefits. Over here, I fully trust you and I get all your benefits. Let me give you a scripture. Exodus chapter 20, verse 19. They, that is Israel, said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. We don't know about that gut up on the mountain. There's smoke, there's thunderings, there's loud, there's loud voices. There's all kinds of stuff going on. So why don't you go ahead and talk to God? Give us a watered-down version of it, a paraphrase, if you will, and then we're going to be okay with that. But that wasn't what God wanted. That's not what God wants for any of us today. He wants intimacy with him. Where we enter into this intimate relationship, we go, Oh, I know the heart of the Father. Do you realize that when you have intimacy with God, there's most most of the things you don't even have to pray about? People say, i got to pray about it. How long do you need? Two months. Two months. God speaks in 10 seconds, and you need two months. I don't get it. 
You see, when you, walk, when you know his ways, there are many things you don't even need to pray about. No, that's the will of God. I know that that, I need to do that. Because in your spirit, that intimacy, that Holy Spirit with your spirit is just going, is confirming things, just confirming things, confirming things. Amen? All right. Psalm 103, verse 7. Listen to what it says. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Now, this is a very important distinction here. He said he made his ways known to Moses, but because they were afraid, because they wouldn't uh, desire intimacy with the Father, he, they only knew his acts, that is, his activity, his power. They go, oh, look at that miracle, look at that miracle, look at that miracle. That's God, that's God, that's God. Do you know that you can get tired of miracles? Israel did. They got so tired of miracles. They said, yeah, you've bread, meat from heaven, you know, divide seas, water, bitter water turn. No, no, no. They're not happy because, you see, miracles will never satisfy you as an image bearer, only intimacy with the Father will. You'll never be satisfied. You'll never have enough blessings. There'll never be enough stuff. You have to learn to know his heart. So we understand that God chose Israel for intimacy. Guess what? God chooses you for intimacy. But Israel chose distance for safety. I think that's why some people will just kind of jump out of church for a little while. God gets me a little bit too in my business. I think if I stay away, I won't hear his voice as much, and then he won't get in my business. Do you realize there's nowhere you can go from God? The psalmist said, if I ascend into the heavens, behold, you art there. If I ascend to the bottom of the sea, behold, you art there. If I make my grave in Sheol in the body of death, behold, you art there. You just think you're getting away from God. What you're doing is you're just getting away from intimacy with God. And that's why you say, I don't even hear his voice anymore. Of course you don't because you've, locked, you've given up intimacy. And now you hear your voice and that's, not, that's boring. You go, I don't know what I'm going to do. When you say, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know you haven't heard his voice. What you do is you say, wait a minute, I may not know what to do, but he does. I'm going to, I'm going to dive into intimacy with God so that I clearly know what to do in this situation. In fact, I want to know ahead of time. Because God knows situations are coming down my path that I'm going to have to go, what do I do in this situation? And I want to prepare myself for that now for when it comes. That's what it means to have an intimate relationship with the Father. Israel sought his acts, that is, activity, but Moses chose to know God. That is, know his nature. You know something we know about the nature of God? We can see something about the nature of God, and we just look at Moses. Moses, 40 years prior to the story we're going to read today, had killed an Egyptian, buried him in the sand, and Pharaoh said, I'm going to kill you. Moses started running, and he ran into the wilderness, and he was there 40 years when we pick up the story today. Missed out on his purpose, missed out on his destiny, missed out on everything. But I like the way that God dealt with Moses. You know what he did? He goes, I'm not going to leave you alone, Moses. I'm coming after you. Guess what? God's not going to leave you alone. You might have given up your destiny. You might have been running. You might have just said, intimacy, I don't want any of that. But God is still in pursuit. Because that's the, that's the nature of God. I know something about the nature of God when I look in the life of David. 
Here's David, said to be a man after God's own heart, sounds like a real winner, and then all of a sudden, he's tempted, commits adultery, has Uriah killed, and guess what? God keeps pursuing him. You say, that doesn't seem fair. Oh, yeah, you think God's fair? Look at your life. I taught at missions.me at the, uh, at the mission college on Monday night, and some guy said, uh, asked the question, it was a Q&A at the end, it was a lot of fun. This kid goes, uh, hey, how come, uh, how come when, when these people in the Bible, they see so much of God, and, 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 and how can they just turn away from that? And I said, same way you do. <laughs> You're right. How can you, 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 how can you see so much of God and ever turn away from that God? How can you know in your heart of hearts that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and saved your soul from hell? How can you ever, how can you know that and ever pull away from it? Because you're not perfect. Darn it. Other than that, you're fine. Right? But guess what? Whenever you feel that pulling away, what you do is you go, no, that's a call for intimacy. I got to go back into the heart of God. Got to go back into that. One more scripture, Exodus 33, 13. Look what it says here. Now, therefore, I pray, if you have found grace, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. This is what Moses says. Show me your way that I may know you. Do you see the purpose? Show me, show me your way. Why? That I may, that I may know you and I may find grace in your sight. I want grace in your sight. I want to know you, God. Moses, show me your ways. David, show me your ways. Woman of adultery. This is how you know the heart of God. All of a sudden, here's Jesus, he's, and, and they, these Pharisees, these religious people, bring this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. And they said, the law requires that we stone her to death. What do you say, Jesus? And it says, the scripture says, and they said this to him to tempt him or to test him. He leans down in the sand. He starts to write something in the sand. Nobody knows what it was. We've all speculated what it was. But what really happens that's important is he stands up and he says, I got it. The one who's without sin, why don't you go ahead and cast the first stone? You see, I know the ways of God when I see how he deals with the woman caught in adultery. That's how I know him. I thought that's the God I want to know, amen? I want to know that God. All right, that's the primer. Let's get under the message now. How are you going to get direction in your life? There's three things I want to give you today. The first one is review the patterns of your past. Your past tells you a lot about your present, doesn't it? In fact, hold on. We're going to get here. There we go. Be patient. Just be patient. Phil, I'm talking to Phil, not you guys. You have a biorhythm in your life. And what that really means is there are some thing, times in your life where you function better. For example, some of you, how many of you are like late night owls? Anybody raise your hand, late night owls. You say, I love this time. I, I'm very productive here. And then others say, you, you know, and then in the mornings, they're not so good. And then others say, no, no, morning is the best time. So your body has a biological rhythm to it, just the way you are. 
And what you learn to do is you say, if I can just learn to do my hardest, most difficult, most productive work in this time here, I'm going to be more effective. And then I choose to do the things that are least important in this area here. Overall, you're going to be more effective because you're operating with the natural way that God has wired you. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to think about your past. Now, instead of that being your biorhythm, think about times in your life where you were doing really well with God and times in your life when you weren't doing so well with God. What was happening here in your life that made this true? Review the patterns of your past, see what it was, and replicate this. You say, well, I don't know where God is. What were you doing over here that made God feel close and intimate to you? What were you doing here? Chances are your associations were with people who were loving God. Chances are what was happening here is you were highly engaged in the Word, highly engaged in prayer, highly engaged in church. That's the difference. And over here you go, I don't know what changed. Nothing changed, but your patterns changed. What you have to do is say, I'm going to identify these, and I'm going to get these out of my life as much as possible. When I start to feel going down here, I'm getting out of there fast because I know where that leads. That leads to that time where I go, I don't want to go to church today. I don't want to read my Bible today. I want to pray today. God doesn't doing anything in my life. Where's God? Da, 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 da. And you go on and on and on. It's not like a mystery. The more time you spent with him, the more intimate you get with him. The less time you spend, the more he seems like a stranger. This is not rocket science. Are you all with me? Say that with me. This is not rocket science. All right, you got that one? Okay. Now, so pay attention and review. So let's go to Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now the story of Moses. Moses is walking. Remember, how long has he been in the backside of the desert? 40 years. That's a long time to watch sheep. Would we all agree? boring job. At least I think it's a boring job. 40 years in a backside of a desert watching sheep, I think that's a boring job, especially being Moses who came out of all the education and all the experience of Egypt. He saw everything a man could see, and now he's in the backside of the desert. Guess what? That's a pattern of what happens in your life. When you're walking with God, it's like you're living in the top And when you're walking away from him, you're like in the backside of the desert. Okay, so let's pick up the story. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, didn't even have his own flock, father-in-law, the priest of Midian. The word Midian means strife. He's in the land of strife. Why is everything so hard? Why is everything so difficult? Because you're in the land of Midian. You're not supposed to be in the land of Midian. You're supposed to be in the land of promise. I'm down here digging holes in the basement, and I'm already depressed. What's going on? He's in the area land of strife, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. So he goes to the backside of the desert. He's there. And, uh, you know, when I look at this, the, the thing that hit me was this truth. Fugitives from God have no sense of the power of the presence of God. You know what Moses was? He was a fugitive from God. He was running from God. And, and the presence of God just didn't seem to resonate with him. Always running, always running from God. I'm a fugitive from God. I think most Christians are fugitives from God. They met God. The day they met God, the day they got saved, they were so fired up. They loved God. There was nothing they wouldn't do. I'll do anything for you, Jesus. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'm just loving Jesus, loving Jesus, loving Jesus. And then over time, what happens is they become a fugitive, and they start running from God, running from God, running from God. God, I don't know where you are, but I'm running from you, God. Now, they would never use that terminology, but that's the end result. 
You know, do you ever think that delays in your life are setting you up for your destiny? Sometimes God delays you. You ever been delayed and been frustrated? Anybody here ever get frustrated with delays? I'm going to tell you a story. So I'm out in Denver. I'm in the car. They sent me to the grocery store. You know, got the little granddaughter. You know, I'm getting stuff, food. I don't even remember what I'm getting. I think it was her birthday party stuff. She's one year old. So I'm sitting behind a car at a stop sign in the parking lot, and I can't back up because there's cars behind me, and I can't go left or right, so I'm stuck behind this guy, and I look, and he's texting. Do you know what's going through my mind in that moment? I can't decide whether to ram him. No, you know what I mean? You're just sitting there going, seriously? You got a, you got a text right there at the stop sign. I patiently wait one minute. It was not a second more than a minute, I promise you. And I'm sure it was a full minute because it felt like an hour. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, just, just be Jesus right now. I said, Jesus, need more help. Jesus is running out in this moment right now. So, you know, there's two ways to honk your horn, right? There's the, right? That's the rude one. That was a little tap. Beep, beep. You know, there's a little beep. You know, like, hey, stop texting. There is a difference. Would we all agree? There is, there is a etiquette on horn blowing. Right? Donk, donk, donk. That's different than honk. And then you got dink, dink, dink. I give him a dink, dink. You know, just, hey, I know you're, you don't even know I'm back here because you're so busy texting some valuable thing. He gets out of the car. Yeah, that can be bad, right? He gets out of the car, he comes walking back and goes, I go, you got to be kidding me. He's got his kids in the car, his wife in the car. I don't want to get up and beat this guy up right now. <laughs> embarrass his wife, embarrass his kids. You know, you know, all guys can relate to this story, right? You know, like, you know, you want a piece of me? Come on. He gets out, he goes like this. I'm thinking, another minute. I just delayed this guy another minute. Now the guy's out of the car. I roll down my window, and I go, clearly, you have more time on your hand than I do. I'm glad you have the time to text at the stop sign, get out of your car, and walk back here. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Get back in your car and start moving. He goes, okay, and he gets back in the car. Now, I especially like that story because it's not the one you expect the preacher to tell. Am I right? I can't believe you just told that story. But then as I drove away, I thought, yeah, got him moving. And God said, that's what you do to me. Sometimes you give me a little tap, tap. Hurry up, God. Don't you know that I'm needing to keep moving? And sometimes you give me the, ah, and sometimes you go, ah, 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 ah. Do you really trust my ways? The devil wants to steal your destiny because he's forfeited his. 
Why do you think he works so hard on you? It's not because you are you. It's because of who's in you. And he hates who's in you. And he knows if he can delay you from your destiny, then you will be in the same boat he's in without a destiny. Here's a second big idea on how you get direction in your life. Go where God is present. See, God is present everywhere. That's a theological truth. God is present everywhere, but his presence is greater in some places than other places. There are times of his presence, and there are times of greater presence. And when you find a place, and when you find people who, are, who live in the presence of God, you gravitate toward them with all you can. Do not neglect the presence of God. In this place, we host the presence of God. There is a presence of God in this place. <clears throat> There's no doubt about it. And what we want to do is we want to say, I want to be in the presence. Because guess what? Good things happen in the presence. Amen? Good things happen in the present. So let's go to Exodus 3. Let's keep pick up the story. Moses came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire in the midst of the bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Now what's interesting about the story is creosote bushes in the desert catching on fire is not unusual. That was a common occurrence. What was unusual was this bush caught on fire and was not consumed. Moses had already been commissioned by God to do what God had called him to do, just like you have been commissioned to do for God what God has called you to do. So when you think about it, authority comes from your commission from God, but power comes from your encounter with God. You can't have a Christianity without a power encounter. You can't have a powerless Christianity. That's called religion. See, God is in you for a reason because he wants out. Have you ever thought about that? I got Jesus in here. I know and he's trapped. He wants out. He wants to talk. He wants to work miracles. He wants to bring people to, to him. He wants out of you. He want, you want to be a flowing. But see, we've lived so far in the subnormal, we don't even know what normal Christianity is anymore. Normal Christianity is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ living out his life in you and, and through you in such a way that people encounter God on earth. That's your commission. That's what you've called for. That's the power that God wants to have. I had this thought. I think the bush was always burning. I don't think it was just one day all of a sudden the bush caught on fire with God. I think every day he walked by and goes, yeah, another burning bush. But he was so busy doing his routine job that was so boring and driving him crazy, he couldn't even turn aside long enough to see what God was up to. I wonder if that's true in our life. The subtle and the simple are where you find God. A burning bush in a wilderness, not unusual. But I'm so busy doing my boring routine job, I can't even notice what God is doing. And it's the subtle and the simple things in life where you'll see God. I'll tell you what, since I've 
had this thought a few weeks ago, I have slowed down and tried to look closer. I've tried to listen to people more to see if God's speaking to me in that situation. Amen? Elizabeth uh, Barrett Browning wrote a poem, and this is just part of that poem, but I thought it was so good. It said, earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. I love that thought, earth's crammed with heaven. Isn't that good? Here's the third one, third thought. How do you get direction in life? Turn aside and see. He walked by the bush, walked by the bush, walked by the bush. One day he said, I think I'm going to turn aside and see. Why is this bush burning and it's not consumed? Have you ever looked at a common, simple, subtle kind of situation and said, why? What are you saying to me, God? Do you realize it might be that moment where a breakthrough comes in your life that you've been waiting for so long that you've been honking your horn for, and God says, I got the burning bush. You keep driving by the burning bush, and you're always honking your horn at me. I'm tired of the honking. I never forget I was first saved. This is another one of those stories I probably shouldn't tell. I was first saved. And I'm sitting at a stoplight, and I just love Jesus, right? And I see in the front of me, there's a car, and it says, if you love Jesus, honk. It's a bad bumper sticker. Would we all agree? Bad bumper sticker. So I think, I love Jesus, honk. The guy flips me the bird. (laughs) Clearly, he borrowed the car from his mom, right? That has nothing to do with this story. I just wanted to tell the story. I've been dying for years to tell that story. Exodus chapter 3, verse 3. Then Moses said, I will now. I will now. I wouldn't before, but I will now. I will now. You see, he had to make a decision in his life. I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. But notice this. This is a really good word in Scripture. Whenever you see it, you need to pay attention. Look what he says. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God was waiting for him. God's waiting for you. When are you going to turn aside and look? When are you going to realize God is up to more in your life than you think he's up to? That God loves you more than you think he loves you. That God has a greater future, a greater destiny, a greater power, a greater authority than you think he does. He says, well, are you just going to turn and look? Will you just go? And he says, when you do, guess what's going to happen? Look what it says. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Then, then he said, do not draw near to the place. Take off your sandals of your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He says, take off your shoes. That doesn't really translate for us, but if your job, your profession is in the desert, the hot sand under your feet and the tarantulas, you're basically saying, I give up all my security and I trust you. You see, the equivalent of taking off your sandals today is, will you give me everything you have and trust me? Or are you going to still try to hold on to it? The, hard, the harder you hold on to something, the quicker it slips away. You think that's not true? Parents, 
just try to control your kids as they turn 12. When they get 13, 14, 15, how's it working? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to restrict you for five years. That'll work. But then you won't see them for 50. Because you can't control by holding on. You only control by giving, by releasing. That's when you get ultimate control. Now moments happen on a daily basis. God has now moments for you everywhere you go. Now moments. Now. Now I will turn aside. Oh, I wouldn't before, but now I will turn aside. And you only see when you turn aside. When you turn aside, oh, there it is. It's been there all along. Why did I, why did I not notice that? It's amazing. When you stop to consider the unusual thing that God is doing, you attract his voice. When you stop to consider the unusual thing that God is doing in your midst, you attract, did you hear what I said? You attract his voice. God says, oh, you, you noticed. And all of a sudden, you start to hear the voice of God. And then guess what happens? Ground becomes holy ground in his presence. Wow, I'm on holy ground. Do you realize holy ground is here if you notice his voice, if you recognize his presence? Holy ground's right here. You don't have to take off your shoes. You have to give up everything. How much will it cost you to follow Jesus? Everything. Now watch this. How much will it cost you to not follow him? More. He likes to give back. He likes to take sons and daughters, bring them into his fold and go, you know what? There's nothing I'm going to keep from you because you're an heir of God and join heir with Jesus. Nothing. But I want you to trust me. I want you to have an intimate relationship and I'll give you direction in your life. Every bad decision you ever made was because you, lacked, you, you, you fell off the intimacy relationship with God. Every bad decision. You just loved your direction more than you loved his. You all know I'm right, amen? So I, I, uh, I wrote this uh, prophetic blessing for you today, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. And I think there's power when we connect our mind. Remember? Remember, our, our, there's a part of our mind that's connected to our speech. The speech center of our brain is connected to our nerves. So when I speak, my whole nervous system responds and goes, this is for you. This is important for you. So I'm going uh, to have you repeat this after me. I'm going to ask you to come forward. I think it's always powerful. I love it when you come forward and, and uh, receive this prophetic blessing and speak it over one another. Uh, when we're in things together, it just feels better. You say, well, Pastor, do I have to come forward to say this? No, not at all. But you may want to. So the way this works is I'm going to say this. You're going to repeat it after me. And they're my words, but they can be your words, right? Because it's your faith. Amen? Right? Right? All right, so let's look at it. The ground upon which I stand is holy. Now stop and just take that in for a moment, okay? Just look down at your feet for a moment. 
That ground is holy. You know why? Because you called it holy. The ground upon which I stand is holy. I will not curse the ground I walk on by neglect, negative words, or disobedience. Do you realize the ground, and let's just pause for a moment, the ground you're walking on, it can be life or it can be death. Speak life. It's your ground. Speak life on your ground. Okay, let's go on. I speak life and I receive life that I might know the direction of the Lord and experience His favor. Today, I turn aside and see. I see the Lord and listen to His voice. The enemy will not steal my destiny. I take it back in Jesus' name. Amen. If you receive it, say, I receive it. And as you receive it, you know, guess what you can do? You can run back into his arms. Right? That's what he's, that's what he's done. He says, when you sense this, you go, it's not that you don't love God. It's just that you don't love him deep enough yet. You used to, but maybe you've lost a little bit of that. Hey, I don't know about you, but I never get to the place to where I love him enough. How about you? Right? So we're going to sing this song, and as we do, we're going to run back into his arms. Amen? So sing it like as a testimony. I'm running back in the arms of Jesus. Amen? Amen? All right, let's sing this. that a great message? Man, when I'm afraid, what do I do? What do you do? You run back into his arms, right? Run back into his arms. Hey, anybody never been afraid? I don't know anybody. When you feel it, what do you do? I just run back in his arms, right? That's all I got. I don't know. I don't know what else to do. That's trusting. When you run into his arms, you run into intimacy. Huh? Right? You run out of him, you're running out of intimacy. Don't hold me, Jesus. Enough of this love stuff. No, you're going to go, I'm running into your arms. Would you hold me until it's all better? And then keep me close, amen?